All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the 306 Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, we are back to recording once a week. Uh, it feels like it went quick, but I guess when you take a little bit of a break in the middle of the summer and <laughs> one episode every two weeks with a little bit of a break, I guess it is going to go quick. But uh, we're back to episodes once a week, and we are right around the corner from the NFL season here. Uh, we're currently recording episode number 92 uh, for our Wednesday, August the 23rd episode. And this one, uh, this is one of the one of the fun ones. Uh, it's kind of one of those ones where we look back after the year and be like, "Okay, hey, did we like did we nail this? Did we call our shots, or were we, you know, grasping at straws and and uh, and swinging at fence, swinging for the fences here?" So uh, we're gonna be doing our you know three hundred six certified my guys, guys that we are super excited about going this season, guys that we're interested in even you know possibly even taking around earlier, uh, just to make sure we we get them on our on our fantasy teams. Uh, and then if we got a little bit of time at the end too, we'll we'll dive into some uh, value picks as well too. So um, before we get started here, um, one thing before we throw it over to the fellas and see how they're doing, uh, the charity league is now open. Uh, we posted it on uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, or X or whatever the hell you want to call it. Uh, haven't got it on TikTok yet, but that'll get up there shortly. Uh, so if you want to get in on the charity league, uh, the door closes or the window for that closes next Tuesday. Uh, so it gives you just shy of a full week to kind of get yourself together and, and make make your decision. But uh, last year um, was was a raging success. Um, this year, that's going to be our third third charity league. We threw around with some really neat ideas of uh, trying to you know spin spin the the uh, the league a little bit and trying to do something a little bit different. But uh, we're going to stay traditional for one last year. And then we got a couple of uh, kind of cool ideas we're going to try out for next year too. So uh, without further ado, we'll throw it over to the fellas and then we'll get into the episode. So uh, I know big day today for Armand, uh, big shout out Ophelia's first birthday today, but uh, how, how was your day with, with the family today there, Armand? Oh, it's fantastic. It was uh, rainy and dreary all day here in the old Prince Albert, but we didn't let that spoil the mood. We had a lot of fun, had a lot of people swing by and, and surprise us and say hello and we're looking forward to the big uh shindig on saturday though because that's the official party and um it's going to be a blast uh even though it's a one-year-old's party there's uh going to be a lot of um visiting with uh friends and family that day so i'm really excited for it uh, that's good stuff zach how about yourself i'm sure you got a couple things on the plate before uh back to work yeah less exciting than armin there but we uh today was the first day that um the staff and I in my room went back to work and just getting stuff ready and and catching up on the summer. So it was nice, but certainly not as exciting as uh, as Armin's day. Also, uh, a little shout out there, Zach. Happy belated birthday! I know a couple a couple days ago, Zach uh, turned the calendar and turned the, uh -huh. turned the page on another decade. So big shout out to Zach with the three O and. Can't say too much because I'm going to be following them not too much longer here. But, but the 30-year-olds now outnumber the 20-year-olds. Yeah, yeah, this is bad stuff. I'm just a young young buck on this podcast here. But but a happy belated birthday to Zach. We didn't get get it out on social media. Kind of kind of dropped the ball on that one. But uh, you got a nice little shout on the pod here. So um, getting things going, uh, we'll do our 22 fresh quick question of the week. And uh, with this one right now, this is an interesting one because it's totally uh, you know speculation. Um, we could have answered this, you know, the fun answer. We could have answered this a legit answer. We could have answered a safe answer. But a lot of speculating right now with Jonathan Taylor. 
as he has been given permission to start seeking trades and talking to other teams. There's apparently two teams that have already submitted offers and four teams that were, were interested. And that was reported earlier today. Um, now, <laughs> apparently the asking price for JT is quite high, which is the ironic part because they're saying, you know, the running back position is important enough. You're not important enough to pay you money, but you're also important enough that we want a first round pick for you, even though we don't value. So it's kind of an ironic situation <laughs> for Indianapolis and Jonathan Taylor. But our question today is, who do you think Jonathan Taylor will be playing for this upcoming season? Uh, and we'll start off with, uh, you know, the belated birthday boy. We'll go to Zach on this one. Who do who do you think Zach uh, JT will be playing for this upcoming season? Well, I think a an out-of-the-park answer might be the Las Vegas Raiders, and they just do a one-for-one swap. <laughs> Everybody's happy. Oh, outstanding. But uh, I think it actually might end up being Philly. Uh, this is a team that clearly prioritizes the run game. Um, they've built their offense around a mobile quarterback and a stable of running backs, but none of their running backs come close to what JT can offer. Um, and this, I think to me, would be like that last piece that they would go and acquire that would put them over the top to be the clear favorite for the the championship uh, in the NFL. There's been some reports that apparently there's a huge quote-unquote blockbuster possibility that uh, Philadelphia is piecing together. Like I said, it's a total speculation at this point, but it'd be very interesting to see what that offer actually in in, like encompasses because like if they're, you know, if, if it was Jim Mercy, right, is the GM for for Indianapolis, he wants a first round value. Like what's Philly willing to give up that's going to not take away from a championship run, right? I can't imagine sure. they're going to give a first round pick, but well, um, I'm a first round pick in Philly is a lot different than a first round pick in, in Denver that's or true. in Tampa Bay or whatever. Like in, in theory, it's almost a second round pick, which is what he was yeah. drafted with, right? He was drafted with a 202 or something like that, right? 203, I can't remember, but trying to put my dynasty hat on trying to remember that one that far back but if i remember ceh then is him then swift if i remember in, in exact mm-hmm. draft order but really really throwing it back on that one uh armin i think yours is the real fun pick i wanted to put this one down because it's my fun pick but uh uh who did you put down here for uh gt playing for i put down to uh kc or america's team the dallas cowboys um you know what uh kind of going back to JT's got to be getting moved to a uh, team that's a contender. If you're willing to invest um, in a trade with an RB, I think you got to be a contender. So that's Casey. And then the Dallas Cowboys like to think they're contenders, even though they let people down every year, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, So I like Casey. I think that would just add to that offense and they're pretty smart in how they build their roster, how they use their assets and everything. So I think they'd be willing to to swing a little bit to try and get that premium running back that they've never really had for Patrick Mahomes. And then Dallas, uh, you know, I just I don't quite believe that they're fully set on having it being Pollard's backfield all by himself with a little bit of Deuce Vaughn sprinkled in there. <laughs> like, emphasis on the little. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know what? I feel like maybe maybe they're still in that running back market and um would be interested in, in investing in Jonathan Taylor and they've shown in the past they're they're willing to invest in the running back position. 
I, I gotta go on record saying the fun answer that I was hinting at Casey, not the Dallas answer. I think that's gonna be more <laughs> fun. It'd also be ironic because it'd be Casey getting the draft pick right because they took CEH in the first round of that draft pick 32. And a lot of dynasty managers, I think, got that one wrong too. But um, I put down <laughs> Miami just because uh, that was one of the front runners, one of the first teams that came out and said, you know, they're interested, whatever that, you know, the 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 extent of their interest actually is but they're a team that really does need a running back big time and they were interested in Dalvin Cook so you can tell that they are interested in adding a big name uh, I still wouldn't put them out if they do not get uh, the JT sweepstakes I wouldn't put them out of like signing like a, a Leonard Fournette or something like that you know Fournette or big friend of the show as Zach would always say um, but <laughs> uh, obviously a chain has the injury. So his timeline is week to week at this point. Um, Jeff Wilson is still coming off of an injury. So all they're left is Raheem Mostert. And we could probably pull up uh, a mile long rap sheet of what his injuries have been over his, uh, his extensive career. So uh, a team, once again, very similar to what you guys have said, a win now team, a team that's built to go for a run that needs that running back. So I think it would fit the mold for, for all three teams, but. Imagine being Mostert and Wilson, who just signed deals this offseason with me at Miami. And then every time there's a top-end RB on the market, Miami's like, yeah, I'm interested. Yeah, I'm interested. <laughs> just psychologically, what Mostert and Wilson are probably doing every day. like, And then every time they sign, like when Zeke was signed and Cook was signed, it's just like, oh, yeah, thank God. I still got my job. Even think of Miles Gaskins. They signed him the same time. They signed all four of them. I think they signed Ackman or whatever, too. They signed all of them. <laughs> People forget those guys are on the roster. <laughs> We're still sitting here talking about Mostert and, and, um, and oh my goodness, um, uh, Jeff Wilson. But uh, we'll get into insiders and headliners here, and then we'll get into the meat and potatoes of the episode. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. I'm Ron Burgundy. Three quick ones today. Uh, the first one, it was just announced this morning. Uh, Corey, De- uh, Corey Davis, former first-round draft pick, uh, is walking away from the NFL, spent most of his time with the Tennessee Titans, uh, and then kind of picked up his, um, I guess, kickstarted his career later on at Tennessee, and then as he transferred over to the Jets, uh, kind of turned into, I guess, a serviceable NFL career wide receiver. Uh, nothing to the extent of that high first round pick that he was uh, in 2000. I think it was 2016, 2017 draft, if I remember correctly. Uh, but Corey Davis now retires, obviously kind of getting pushed out of the uh, the receiver room there in the Jets as they keep bringing in whoever it is that Aaron Rodgers wants on that team. Uh, but Corey Davis did announce that he is walking away from football to spend more time with his family. Uh, the second one on the list here is Terry McLaurin injured his toe. Uh, we're still coming to TBD fashion from there. That happened on the Monday night preseason game. Um, this one, I think, might even play a little bit into one of our certified my guy selections later on in this episode, too. I'm not going to foreshadow a little too much, but uh, we're going to wait and see at the, the and see what the significance or the severity of uh, Terry McLaurin's injury is. Hopefully it's not turf toe. If that's something, then that's going to be a major problem for the duration of the possible season. Um, and then our last piece of news we're going to go through here too is Sam Darno was named QB2 um, for the San Francisco 49ers, which puts Trey Lance as QB3. Possibly they even just put him at QB4 at this point and just skip QB3. Um, but I was looking at like, obviously social media is jumping right now with what they gave up to get him at that point and what Miami 
use those picks to accumulate for their roster. And it's astronomical, especially now when you think about it. Now, if he, if he turned into a Patrick Mahomes and you see, okay, Patrick Mahomes on one side and then those three players, it's like, okay, fair enough. Like it was like Bradley Chubb, uh, Tyreek and like, um, and Waddle, I think was the three players that they ended up getting from that trade. You think, well, if it's like Patrick Mahomes, like, okay, yeah, like I can see it, but now you have like a guy that's third or fourth on the depth chart and has like started, I think two, maybe three games in his career, which turning to be one of the biggest all-time flops uh, in the draft. So um, I'm curious if Trey Lance is going to start getting, you know, some offers for some trades with San Francisco, if he ends up on a new team in the next little bit, but uh, time will tell on that one. So um, going right into it here, uh, we'll go into our, my guys. And uh, this one, for those of you that are unfamiliar with how this episode works, it's three guys that whether they be based on like just their value and ADP is so good uh, and we expect high things. So let you know, they're super value late in drafts. Maybe they're guys that are already like pretty good players, but we're expecting a huge jump. Uh, maybe they're guys that are underrated in the community, but based on maybe some preseason and some, you know, uh, emptier, um, you know, maybe it's an RB with a, with less competition and we're expecting a major jump. It's regardless, it's players that we're super excited about taking advantage of in our drafts and we want them on our team for specific reasons. And, and we'll highlight those reasons uh, as we go through them. So um, I think in the past, I remember uh, Zach, you had Ramondre Stevenson. He had a big season. I had a Deontay Johnson on one and he had a big year. Uh, there's a couple, there's been a couple names actually that we've actually all had on. There's looking back from a couple episodes and we had some names that, well, didn't do all that great, but that's if we had a hundred percent hit rate, hit rate on these guys that are later in drafts, we'd be, you know, raking in the cash and probably retiring from teaching if we were hammering these guys this late, but we've had some guys that have, that have hit for us in a big way. And, and hopefully even if we can get to that 50% mark with these, these nine guys we're going through here, be uh would be a success for sure. So uh, we'll go with Armin here first. And um, if you have been listening to any of our episodes in the last, I would say month and change, this one's going to surprise you absolutely zero. So Armin, take it away with your uh, your certified my guy number one. Okay, my first my guy is Calvin Ridley, wide receiver for uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's currently the 16th wide receiver off the board, ADP of 38. So that puts him in roughly, what is that, 12-team league um, round, beginning around four there. Yeah. Um, I said in my hot take a few episodes ago, I think he's going to be a top five wide receiver this year and you're buying him a wide receiver 16. That's incredible value, I think. Um, and you know what? The last time he played a full season, he was a top five wide receiver in fantasy. He finished as the wide receiver four on that season. Um, and he is playing with a better QB than he did that season. Um, Matt Ryan versus Trevor Lawrence on the meteoric rise that he is right now, um, slinging him the balls and he had to compete with Julio Jones that last season. Um, granted Julio was starting to lose a step, but it was still pretty good Julio at that point. And he's competing with the likes of like Christian Kirk and Zay Jones in this offense here. So um, I like Calvin Ridley a lot going into this season. Um, and if you look at some of the guys going right in front of him too, like um, DK Metcalf, T Higgins, 
Chris Olave, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, all great players. All I like all those players, but uh, Ridley is the number one receiver on his offense, and all those guys are either the 1AB-ish kind of thing or the second wide receiver in their offense. Um, he is clearly the alpha there and should be valued as such. This um this makes an easy transition for me here. I'll I'll take my certified my guy number one, and it's the guy that's gonna be passing him the ball. So if Calvin Ridley has a wide receiver one season, uh, it's really gonna help out uh, my argument here too. So <laughs> um, I've already gone on record and talked about my factuation with uh, Trevor Lawrence and my my thought process on where he's gonna end up by the end of the year. Currently, right now, he is going as QB eight five hundred nine in ADP. And we're seeing a transition in the draft community where people aren't really throwing the QBs to the end anymore because some of those QBs are so good. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to put a first round, second round, maybe not even a third round pick on a QB, but getting a top tier elite quarterback at the back end of the fifth, sometimes even in the sixth round uh, is an absolute bargain, especially for a guy that I'm calling for a top five QB season. Uh, we've seen in the past, his first year was a complete write-off. Uh, we, we talked about that extensively in the, in the previous episodes. Um, those, that, that year was just, it was a joke. It was really, it was a complete write-off. Urban Meyer was a disaster. And then even last year, he started off a little bit slower. Uh, we saw some, uh, a lot of interceptions early on in the year. And then even if you go back to the wild card game against, uh, the chargers, the interceptions happen frequent and fast and furious, but then much the same as the fantasy season in that game, the second half, that was unbelievable. And that's what his second half of the fantasy season was as well. Uh, we've seen games where he was QB five, then he was 16 against Detroit, but then QB one, QB five, QB 10. Uh, and then in 17, 18, he had a, a, a down week. Uh, from there but we've seen not only is he taking a step forward as a passer but he's also taking advantage of some opportunities of rushing now a quick glance there was in week 17 he had seven attempts for 51 yards and a touchdown really great if we can get seven attempts and 51 yards attached to whatever he can do as a pocket passer that's going to be immense to the success of him taking a step forward another game six for 53 four for 26 okay not as great but then you have some performances where it's two attempts for one yard three attempts for seven yards those are the ones that are going to cut it but in that one game hit three attempts for seven yards and a touchdown so obviously a goal line sneak he still finished as the qb1 on the week uh that was week 14 against tennessee um, so he can get it done as a pocket passer, but as we know in the NFL to be, or not necessarily in the NFL, sorry, but in fantasy football to be the QB one or to be possibly the QB one on the season and have these nuclear performances, you need to be a rushing quarterback, Lamar Jackson in 2018, uh, Jalen Hurts this past season. Uh, even when we saw Justin Herbert have that unbelievable season two years ago, he got it done as a packet, uh, as a pocket passer, but he was also scrambling for a lot of yardage. Even last year, Patrick Mahomes, uh, making some plays happen with chunk five, six, seven yard chunk plays. Um, obviously he's, he's a, he's a versatile quarterback and he's a top three quarterback in fantasy every single year, but there's opportunity for Trevor Lawrence to take that step forward. And in, in my last point I'm going to make about Trevor Lawrence is I talk about the tiers. So right now there's quarterbacks like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes and Jalen hurts who are all going somewhere between, I would say, early second to maybe early third, mid third. They're all going in that range. 
that's a high draft capital to spend on a quarterback. Then you have guys like Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and Lamar Jackson that are kind of going somewhere in between the two. Uh, Lamar Jackson is another great pick within the rushing platform, but he's coming off of a bit of a down season. And then the tier breaks at Trevor Lawrence, and Trevor Lawrence is always the last quarterback in that ranking. I'm just going to pull it up here really quick. In eight, Based on ADP, the rankings go... Um, sorry, my apologies. My computer just buffered there. Uh, but in Ozen order, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, and Joe Burrow um, are in the mix there. But based on ADP, it goes Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes kind of back-to-back. Then it goes Jalen Hurts. Then it goes Joe Burrow. And then it goes Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson kind of side-by-side. And like I said, then Trevor Lawrence. Then there's that big tier break where you see guys like Dak. Justin Fields is in that mix too. Um, but his his versatility is a little bit, you know, unquestioned. I know Armin is very happy with Justin Fields in the rushing platform, but he needs to take that step forward with the passing to be considered a top three asset where I see Trevor Lawrence already has the passing and he's going to take that step forward with the rushing. So um, I'm super excited to see what Trevor Lawrence can do this upcoming season. Armin's already on board because uh, <laughs> obviously he's got the Calvin Ridley love. So uh, me and Armin are going to ride these two off in the sunset, hopefully, and uh, and hit a home run on our first picks. And to mention, this is a good value stack to have. Like, it's not a super expensive stack that you're going to have to invest a crap ton into your QB in order to get a good stack. Um, You can get this stack fairly easy. And, um, yeah, watch out. Zach, you want to talk about uh, your certified my guy number one? I feel like I should just start talking about Christian Kirk, and we can just go bingo, bango, bongo here on the Jackson, players. Jacksonville, baby. Yeah, but uh, that's not the case. Um, my first certified my guy is Chris Olave. And I've had a seat at the Olave Garden now for quite a while. <laughs> um, I, I've been in on Chris Olave since uh, before the draft uh, last season when the Saints were able to get him. And if you were able to get him uh, last season in a dynasty draft or in a keeper draft, um, I think you are, you're seeing the dividends now because he was drafted towards the end of most uh, first rounds in dynasty last year. And now um, he's, he's uh, worth considerably more than that. Uh, Chris Olave finished as the wide receiver 25 on this season last year. So just outside of wide receiver two range. Um, this season, I expect that to move, you know, a lot closer to wide receiver one, um, probably flirting around that 10, 11, 12, 13 range, I would expect. Um, last season, Alave was a target hog, uh, 15th in the league in target share for his team, with over 26% of the team's targets going to him. Um, he only had four uh, receiving touchdowns last year. So with a few more red zone targets and maybe some positive touchdowns, uh, positive touchdown growth rather, uh, he could easily make that jump from a wide receiver two to a wide receiver one. Um, now there is the the unpredictability or the uncertainty of Michael Thomas coming back to the Saints offense. Um, that may take some of the easier, shorter passes away from Olave in the through the air. But that's also going to mean that Olave might not always face um, the biggest or the best defensive back on the other team as well. So I think uh, the two of them will complement one another. 
which will allow Awabe to continue to produce the way he was. Uh, not only is Michael Thomas back on that offense, but the Saints also got a considerable uh, upgrade in the quarterback position with with Derek Carr coming in and playing over now uh, Andy Dalton. Uh, so with that improved quarterback play alone, I think Olave is is due for a proper breakout. Um, for this episode last year, I put forth the name Jalen Waddle, and I think the the promise and the potential that Waddle had last year at this time is that same type of potential that Olave has this year. Um, right now, Olave is being drafted pretty close to, I think, what his ceiling might be, though. Uh, that That is the only downside for Olave. He is being the 26th player drafted off the board in half-point PPR leagues, and he's being drafted as the 12th wide receiver. So you're, you're looking at getting him tail end of the second round or beginning of the third round. I, I wouldn't be comfortable drafting him much earlier than that, but uh, for the most part, I don't have to worry about that because I was savvy and I got him in my dynasties. I got him in my keepers. I don't have to worry about drafting him now. Yeah, every time you say I was savvy and I got him in my dynasty league, I just get sour because I just think of that trade. And every time I think we talk on the podcast and every time I'm like, yeah, that's how Zach got Chris Olave. So it's like, I don't know if it's a feather in my cap that I was on in, all in on him too, Zach. And you just happen to get to reap the rewards, but or if it's just I'm a bitter old man <laughs> and, and I'm pissed off. I think it's probably more of the latter. But uh, regardless, I think that's a great pick, Zach. And uh, a guy that I think is, is going to have a great year. And the funny thing about this one too, like, one I was having a discussion with a buddy and it was like, okay, hey, well, like, how do you like talk about like, you know, like your picks, like start where we started talking about some of the guys or whatever. And I said, a good way to think about it is like, really, you're probably never going to get them at this draft capital again. Like that's kind of like the breakout we're talking about. Like, like that's what a lot of these guys are. Like we look at Calvin Ridley, his ADP is based on uncertainty. Trevor Lawrence, his draft capital. If I, if it hits as if I think it is, he's not going to be drafted as the QB eight again other than injury. And then Chris Olave, there's no way you're going to get Chris Olave next year at this draft capital. Like he's going to be an arguably uh, maybe a top two, top three round pick, maybe, maybe a a first round pick, depending on what type of breakout he has. So uh, it's going to be exciting to see where some of these guys end up at the, at the end of the year and and then into uh, ADP and draft season next year. Um, Armand, do you want to just put down like Jacksonville's mascot here as like your value (laughs) pick? (laughs) based on based on some of your picks here but let's let's hear your uh certified number two well you know zach didn't have the balls to go jacksonville at the <laughs> end but i sh- sure as hell do um and i i'm not going christian kirk though i'm out on christian kirk um but i'm in on travis etienne and kind of like zach with Olave, i i don't have to worry about people sniping him after me talking about him on this pod here because i got him in my keepers i got him in my uh dynasty so we're all set um, but, um, I think what it is with this Jacksonville offense too, is there like Lawrence is young, Etienne's young, like they're a young up and coming team that this, the whole team hasn't broken out yet, but they're prime for a breakout and they're prime to do have a really great season. Um, so that gets me excited about getting, um, Jacksonville on, uh, in fantasy, um, and especially when you think about, like, I don't think they really have a very good defense either. So a good offense and a bad defense or a middling defense makes for fantasy gold, as we know as well. So Travis Etienne, 
Um, there's a lot of worry about Tanks Bigby at after the draft. I ain't worried about it, even if he is uh, taking goal line touches, because um, a lot of people are pointing to Travis Etienne wasn't very efficient at the goal line last year. Well, if he wasn't efficient and he only scored two two of his touchdowns at the goal line last year, that's not how he makes his bread and butter. That's not how he makes his money. Okay? Um, he makes it in the passing game, which he should be utilized more now in. He was a great passing back in college, and people just seem to have forgotten about that. And he's also a great runner in the, the open field. He has great breakaway speed. He, uh, he reads the blocks well. Um, so he doesn't need to be a, the goal line back to, to make hay. Um, and that's all tanks Bigsby is going to steal from him. If he steals anything from Etienne, um, he's being drafted at RB 12 right now. Um, you can get him in the middle of the, the third round, um, which I, I do think is a value. It's not as much of a value as I'm, as claiming Ridley to be, or my other, my guys, but it's, it's a value where. I can't stop taking him if he's available in that spot, you know, um, I'd even consider taking him at the end of the second, um, myself, um, and, and doing a little bit of a reach for him. Um, but like, yeah, I just, when it comes to that point in the draft, if he's there, I'm taking him. It's going to be, it's going to be really interesting, Armin, when we're in our redrafts and I see you take ETN at three, in the third round, Calvin Ridley in the fourth round, and then Trevor Lawrence in the fifth round. I could just like literally play and peg those guys into your into your draft board and just know exactly where you're gonna go. But <laughs> um, I did a pivot here. I had two guys and I kept flip-flopping all day. It's like, ah, who am I gonna put down here? And they're both guys that I'm really like I really like, and I, I've been taking them in lots of my drafts. I, actually, in some of my drafts, I even have them on the same team even so which has been making it even more difficult and i pivoted i made my decision my certified guy number two is going to be marquez hollywood brown and the reason i faded him a little bit lately is just due with the injury and i think um kyler murray is going to be coming back a little bit later than i anticipated but the value is still there and he is dropping down draft boards which makes it just that much more juicy uh he's currently wide receiver number 31 and he is ta- being taken right around the, the 701. So early seventh, maybe maybe late sixth. But right now, that value is unbelievable for a guy that is wide receiver one on his fantasy team. Um, and I think some of the hatred is based on how we finished the season. Uh, in week 12, he was wide receiver 52. Terrible. Uh, bye week. Week 14, 56, 64, 42. Week 17, he was wide receiver 25, which puts him just at the back end of a wide receiver two. Um, if not well, 25, would put him as the wide receiver three. And then week 18, he was a wide receiver 105, which really in that week, it didn't really matter all that much. So the back end of the season was horrific. Uh, and he missed a stretch of time there from seven through 11. So Really, the the season was almost a write-off for him. But going back to the start of the year where he had Kyler Murray, we had uh, when they got blown up by Kansas City, uh, he was wide receiver 26. Then they had against Vegas, uh, he was wide receiver 38. Not a great start. But then against the Rams, which is a tough matchup, he was wide receiver 3. Carolina wide receiver 10. Philadelphia wide receiver 10. So he had a nice little stretch where he was with Kyler, Kyler Murray. And remember last year, there was a suspension at hand there too. So he was the wide receiver number one. 
Uh, so Hopkins was missing time for those first first six weeks, meaning he was wide receiver one. So we've already seen what he is capable with Kyler Murray when Kyler Murray is healthy, when he's healthy, and when he's the wide receiver one. If you want a good giggle, go look at the Arizona depth chart for wide receivers and tell me if you can recognize more than two names. There's him <laughs> and Rondell Moore, who Rondell Moore is kind of like a, like a post-hype darling that just guys are excited about and just never come to fruition after that. It's like the most hodgepodge name of like Greg Dorches and like so on and so forth of like, I don't know if Andy Isabella is even on that roster anymore. That's like how bad their, their wide receiver core is. So uh, it's, there's no brainer that he's going to be the wide receiver one. Kyler Murray is not missing this whole season. It's impossible. And James Conner can't touch the ball 400 times a game. So somebody's going to have to get involved. Um, there's, there's a part of me that thinks he might even be involved right off the hop week one, week two, with whoever the backup rookie type quarterback is. Um, but I'm okay sacrificing week one, week two with a possible, you know, outcome where he might be able to play him. But then week three, four, five, six, et cetera on, you're going to get Kyler Murray back with a wide receiver one on the team and you're getting him in the seventh round. Uh, if you look at some of the guys that are going around the seventh round, they're wide receiver twos or threes on their team and their roles are kind of not you know, solidified where I can guarantee you, I know exactly what I'm going to go with Hollywood Brown. He's a very good wide receiver. Um, and I think he's going to have a very good season once Kyler gets back. So the, when you talk about the being baked into your ADP, there's risk there. Would I take Kyler Murray or sorry, would I take uh, Hollywood Brown in the fourth round? No, because then you're taking all the risk out of it and you're just banking on production. But now where he's going in this seventh round, the, the risk is already baked into his ADP. So if all he has to do is surpass wide receiver 31 on the season, which as wide receiver one for Kyler Murray, I will bet a lot of money that he'll surpass that. So I think he's an incredible value uh, and an incredible talent to be getting in, in the seventh round. So that's who my, uh, my guy number two is. So a little, like I talked about going back and forth. Uh, the other name that I really hemmed in Ottawa was Brandon Ayuk. And just, I'm going to throw that out there just in case he has a monster season. I can say that like he was super consideration. So like, it's almost <laughs> like a little dark horse pick, I guess, but um, Zach, let's hear your, uh, let's hear your certified guy. Number two. So just like I mentioned, Chris Alave having that second year wide receiver breakout uh, this season and Jalen Waddle having that same breakout last season. Another uh, second-year wide receiver that I'm looking forward to really breaking out this year is Jahan Dotson. Um, I feel like even to this point in time, Jahan Dotson hasn't really gotten his flowers that he deserves um, from the general fantasy community. Uh, I think a lot of people forget that Jahan Dotson was was drafted in the first round of the NFL draft uh, last season just like Garrett Wilson, just like Jameson Williams, just like Chris Olave, just like Burks. Um, but a lot of people don't uh, mention Dotson in that same conversation. Um, and it's easy to forget because his rookie season uh, had a lot of a lot of hills and a lot of valleys. On this season, he was wide receiver 50. But what has what has me really excited about Dotson is that over the last five games, just in that five game span, he was wide receiver 11. So he's, he really turned it on after coming back from an injury and finished the season really, really well. Um, during those final five games, Dots, Dotson ranked as the 20th uh, wide receiver in the league in team target share at 
and third in the league in red or in red zone target share at 50%. Um, Sam Howell does present some unpredictability at the quarterback position, but it's hard to argue that Howell won't be an upgrade over the players that were Dotson's quarterback last year in Washington. Um, I do think that Terry McLaurin still figures to be the wide receiver one in Washington. But right now, like we mentioned earlier, uh, McLaurin's dealing with a toe injury. And for as long as McLaurin's out, that's going to give Dotson and Howell more time to continue building chemistry with one another, which will likely pay off uh, into the regular season. Um, Dotson is somebody that you can get significantly cheaper than Chris Olave. Right now, Dotson is being drafted as the 90th player uh, in most drafts, good for wide receiver 38. So I don't expect Dotson to be like Olave, where I think Olave could be a top 12 wide receiver, but it would not shock me in the least bit if at the end of the season we see Dotson finish as a top 24 wide receiver, far outproducing that uh, that draft pick or that value of wide receiver 38. I'm uh, it's it's weird because I don't think Washington is going to be very good, but I think their offense is going to be very good. Um, I don't know if that's because of the Airbnb, <laughs> you know, uh, theory, I guess, or it's because I think their defense is going to take a step backwards or, or maybe it's because of how competitive that division is. I don't know, but I think that offense is going to be pretty explosive. And I think you hit the nail on the head, Zach, if, if they had a Compton quarterback, and we still don't know what Sam Howell is going to bring, but if they had a Compton quarterback, this could be like a powerhouse offense we can be talking about next year. It could be like a, a Jackson Miller Detroit team that came out of left field, and all of a sudden the year fall, and they're like, okay, these guys are legit. Um, <laughs> they also could just be terrible because they're in the QB purgatory. Like we we don't know, but I, I think you would like you obviously talk about Terry McLaurin, and we've talked about how much we like him on this podcast already. But um, this was one when I saw you got to the docket first. I was like, oh yeah, this goes without saying. Zach's got Dotson in there, and I'm not being happy about it. But I think <laughs> I think out of all of our picks so far, I think this is one of my favorite ones that the Jahan Dotson breakout because it's sneaky. Like you like you hit the nail on the head that there's other guys that the breakout's a little more predictable or, or people in the industry are, are a lot more excited about this Dotson one. I think this is gonna be a real sneaky pick. Um and it helps I took him in our mock draft uh, last week. So mm-hmm. another feather in the old cap on that one. <laughs> um, Arwin, do you want to wrap up our uh, certified my guys with your number three? Yeah, just keep pumping yourself up here, Jordan. Thank you. Putting Thank feathers you in your own cap. Someone's got to do it. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I won't lie. I, I wanted to put Dotson down as well. When I saw Zach had him, I was like, ah, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, my last, my guy, my, my guy number three here um jordan did it so i'm gonna do it i'm gonna say a name that uh that i was gonna put down because it kind of is a little a little bit of a a chuckle here um it took everything in my power not to put rashad penny oh god goodness (laughs) future free agent rashad penny (laughs) um I, i i do believe in him this season still but uh uh Rashad fit penny for life. <laughs> You're gonna get a tattoo of that on your back or something. <laughs> like, yeah, Rashad penny for life. 
Um, The guy I actually picked, though, was James Cook, the running back for the Buffalo Bills. He's currently RB31, ADP of 76, so being taken off the board in the beginnings of the sixth round here. And for a starting running back, a guy who's getting all the first team reps, has not a lot of competition um, there, it seems, um, or seemingly. And the praises and the hype is getting higher. Um, that's pretty good value, I think. Uh, I I like him locked in at that that point, and and I think you you're going to be struggling to find a a starting running back anytime after that. So, um, yeah, I really like it, and he's he's a good compliment to to Allen in Allen's uh, bruising style when he does decide to run Allen is a is a bit of a bruiser and and cooks more of a, a slasher type guy and he's quick and he's good with his hands so um, I think it'll be a good compliment and he'll work well in this Buffalo Bills offense and if you look at last year his efficiency which I always love to go back and look at the yards per carry um, he was carrying at a clip of 5.8 yards per per carry over 91 rush attempts. So not not what you want out of your starting RB, 91 rush attempts, but um, that was enough for 525 yards. So it was a good enough sample size to to see that James Cook is a, is a pretty efficient runner and a, and a good NFL running back. He um. He's a guy that was riding the roller coaster of this season. Like last season, he was a very much a between the twenties guy. Uh, you didn't know if you really wanted a running back from Buffalo at all, um, just because if he was in the red zone, Josh Allen is their number one running back. And then I even hinted at, um, oh my goodness, the name's escaping right now. Zach helped me out. Former Patriot went free agency to Buffalo. Harris. Damien Harris. Yeah, Damien Harris. And I, I thought he was going to be a real sneaky pick, like a real late round value uh, goal line type guy for that offense, maybe take over a little bit. He got banged up this offseason. And then all of a sudden the camps, like you said, the camp reports were just James Cook has been phenomenal. So he's been riding that roller coaster. It's like, do you want him? No. Do you want him? Yes. Do you want him? No. Do you want him? Yes. <laughs> and now that roller coaster is getting right to the pinnacle. So uh, we'll see what ends up coming uh, of week one of, uh, of James Cook. Um. I'm going to continue on the running back train here. And this one probably comes as no surprise as uh, I sobbed about him for about 10 minutes on our, on our mock draft last week. Uh, Zach hinted at him and you, and talked about him as a, you know, breakout candidate uh, two episodes ago, I believe is maybe three episodes ago. And I talked about how I really liked that pick and I wanted to get on the docket before, but I was just glad we're talking about him. Um, just continually climbing the ranks to the point where he is now officially a my guy for this upcoming season. That's Khalil Herbert running back from the Chicago Bears. Now, I like Khalil Herbert because of many reasons. One, he's very good. I think he's a very talented running back, and I think he's going to take over in this offense. Uh, but his ADP is driven by that. Really, nobody knows who it actually is. Roshan Johnson's in the mix. We have Khalil Herbert, obviously, in the mix. And then also, uh, names escape me once again. My, my brain is just frazzled today. It's been a long, long week. Thank you, Deontay Foreman, former from, formerly from the Carolina Panthers, now with Chicago Bears as well. So there could be three backs that take over the lead role, or it could be a three-headed monster. We don't really know. And that's what's driving his ADP down. But in the preseason, 
he has been a three down back. He's been a third and long back. He's been a, um, a receiving back. He's been a first down back. He's been a goal line back. And there's nothing that's really shown me in the preseason that Khalil Herbert is not going to be the guy. The one thing that would concern me is that maybe Roshan Johnson does get steam towards the second half of the season as rookies do, and maybe might eat into him a little bit. But I think Khalil Herbert is going to start off the season as a screaming value. And he is RB 38 right now and being taken in the back of the ninth, 908. Sometimes you can even get him in the 10th round. Um, to put in perspective, RB 38, there's, there's not 38 teams in the NFL. That means that every single t- player or every single team has an RB that's ranked ahead of them. And then there's others that are still ranked ahead of them based on ADP. Um, if you watch that all last season, when uh, David Montgomery missed time and Khalil Herbert stepped in, he was very good. I think he's a very talented running back. And I think he's going to have a fantastic season for the Chicago Bears. Um, I think that offense is going to take a step forward. We already talked about last um, episode. I know, uh, Armin, you talked a little bit more. Uh, about Justin Fields and I think that with him taking a step forward so will the offense and people forget the NFC North is completely up for grabs right now I think the Vikings last year won the division and they were arguably one of the worst whatever it was 11 and 5 teams <laughs> that have ever been 11 and 5 um, the Lions just missed the playoffs Green Bay just missed the playoffs when they both uh, lost out on week 18 on the Monday nighter the Sunday nighter um, and then Chicago, I think, is going to take a step forward here with DJ Moore and whatnot. So I think that offense is going to be a lot of fun, and that division is going to be up for grabs. So there's going to be a lot of competitive games. I think there's also going to be opportunities for some high-scoring games as well, too. So 908 to get an RB1 is an absolute steal, and Khalil Herbert is going to smash that ADP. So put him on my roster, on every single roster, apparently other than the mock draft last week where, where Zach threw up the bird at me and and snaked them one full round before I got a chance to. So, Khalil Herbert, throw my roster, uh, and then Zach can take us home here with uh, his third certified my guy. This is the the player uh, out of my three that I am the the least confident in, but I do think uh, there is a very real possibility where this one pays off for me, and that is Pat Fryermuth, tight end for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I think often the general consensus in most fantasy drafts in most leagues would be if you can't secure one of the top four or five uh, tight ends to kind of just punt on the position and wait until later on in the draft. Um, This year, I do think there are some other players that after the first five, six, seven, eight or into the uh, five, six, seven, eight, um, that presents some real value at the tight end position. And Fryermuth is one of those guys. Um, last season, Fryermuth was dra- or finished the season rather as tight end eight. Uh, he was ranked fifth among tight ends in targets with with ninety, and ninth among tight ends in team target share at just under twenty percent. I think it was like nineteen point four percent. Uh, target share he had a very low touchdown total just two tds uh, which is i would say uncommon for a tight end like Fryermuth. so i do expect that to to go up by at least one or two probably significantly more than that and if that does happen it's very very easy to see that uh Fryermuth will go from tight end eight into that tight end five, tight end four margin, perhaps. 
I do think that Fryermuth will be a, a featured weapon in a potentially high-scoring offense in Pittsburgh. Uh, this offense has has Harris, has Warren that we've talked about in the past at running back. It has guys like Deontay Johnson, uh, Pickens, and Allen Robinson at receiver. It has a potential breakout quarterback, somebody that I'm quite high on, uh, Kenny Pickett. And then it has a retooled offensive line. I think they're going to have, I read somewhere the other day that they're going to have three or four new starters on that offensive line. So this offensive line is, it's going to do a lot better job protecting, uh, protecting Pickett and opening uh, holes on the ground game, which will only go to serve uh, the offense as a whole, but especially Fryermuth uh, opening up holes in play action. Uh, right now, you can get Fryermuth as the 85th player and the tight end nine. And even though that's right around where he finished last year, I do see him outproducing that by several uh, draft slots, possibly finishing within the, the top five at the position. He's the perfect guy. If you if you miss out on those big names, just wait and take Fryermuth like three rounds later. He's like the perfect target. Uh, I think we... We highlighted it in the last episode. There's a few guys that go right in that range, but I think of those guys, he has the highest upside. Like we talked about Njoku. We talked about him. Um, I think it was, I'm trying to remember who else, the, the names we were highlighting, but he he carries the, the biggest the biggest um, upside out of, out of all those guys, not obviously including the the Wallers or the Kittles and the, the Kelseys of the tight end world. But um, what do you think? Do we have a quick time to just quickly highlight our three, you know, value pick kind of sleeper guys that we're excited about trying to get late in rounds. We don't have to talk about long, but we can just quickly highlight them. Might as well. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Armin hit us with your value pick. All right. So this guy I've already talked about on the pod, but he continues to rise up the board and continues to impress me more and more. If I could tell you that you could get Patrick Mahomes potential number one wide receiver undrafted, you'd be pretty hype, right? And that is what Justin Ross could be. Um, I truly believe it. I know clearly based on his ADP, a lot of people don't, but uh, he was a guy that was supposed to be a number one or a round one draft pick um, and just got can, like hereditary stuff going on that forced him to be sidelined for a while and, and ruined his draft stock. But He's back now, and he he looks good. And I've been really paying attention to him a lot this offseason. Um, reading the news, watching clips from practice. He's getting a lot of first-team reps, and he, he looks good with the first team. Like, every single catch that I see of him, everything that's filmed, it's Patrick Mahomes throwing him the ball. So, Well, and he's like a free square. Like, with that late of ADP, if you get it wrong, you can drop him, move on, and you can pick up a waiver wire guy. Like, it's not like you're you're burning a pick here. Like, it's it's a high upside swing and miss kind of thing, right? Exactly. Um, My guy is going in the late sixth, sometimes seventh round. Uh, I talked about him a little bit last episode uh, in our mock draft. I think in our mock draft, he went at the end of the seventh round like seven ten, I think. Uh, and that's Tyler Lockett. There's no way he finishes worse than the wide receiver 29. Uh, that offense is taking a step forward this past year with Geno Smith. Um, I think it's going to continue to be great. I know a lot of people are concerned about uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba coming to town. 
but there's no way that Tyler Lockett finishes outside the finishes outside a wide receiver three this year. And you just can constantly get him as a, a late sixth, seventh round, sometimes maybe an eighth round, depending on the leagues here. I think he's finished as a wide receiver 15, like the last like seven seasons or something ridiculous like that. So uh, Tyler Lockett, just screaming value. The only thing that's going to stop him is, is injury or the age cliff finally gets him, but screaming value. That's all I have to say about Tyler Lockett. Zach, bring us home. All right, definitely a homer pick here. I'm going with Juju Smith-Schuster. Right now, player 120 overall, wide receiver 48. Um, This is a what I view to be more or less a one-for-one trade that the Patriots made. Juju for Jacoby Myers. The only difference is Jacoby Myers has significant upside in yards after the catch. Last year, Myers finished his wide receiver 28, and it would not shock me at all if Juju finishes in that similar ballpark anywhere from wide receiver 24 to 36, quite possibly the least sexy wide receiver three in fantasy football, but uh, quite a good value, I think. He's a mean that's just, he's just forgotten, like... It's just all of a sudden you're looking at your queue and it's like, oh yeah, there's Juju, like just completely un, completely forgotten. But uh, same thing, a guy that you could take late in drafts and if he hits great and if he doesn't move on, find the next guy on week one waiver. So uh, let's wrap this one up. I believe it is my turn to do an ice cold hot take. So uh, let's get things going. You're not on fire, Ricky Bobby. I'm on fire. So this one's fun. I think this one's going to be a fun one because I'm talking Super Bowls. I'm already looking at uh, making some bets. Uh, so for offensive rookies of the year, I know Zach talked about last week, Roshan Johnson, I looked at, I think it was like 2,600. It's it's, uh, it's a fun bet to make. I'm um, looking at you know, who can win the Super Bowl, some of the bets. And that got me thinking, who's going to win the Super Bowl? And I have a, uh, in my head a couple dark horses. And I was like, how can I make this fun? How can I make this spicy? And how can I make this not seem like a homer pick? And I'm talking cats. Okay, I'm talking cats here. The winner of the Super Bowl is gonna be a cat. And uh, and I know you're thinking, okay, which teams are the cats? And I'm not talking Carolina Panthers, even though their juicy 6,600 odds are 24th uh, in the NFL. There's, I'm I'm not banking on the Carolina Panthers winning the Super Bowl. But there are three other teams I legitimately think could win the Super Bowl, and I can see paths to doing so. Uh, the first one with the best odds is the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, two years ago, they were in the Super Bowl final. Last year, they lost in the AFC Championship, so they're not they're not uh, they're not strangers to the big games. And they're currently sitting at fifth in, in uh, betting odds at plus eleven hundred. Uh, then the Detroit Lions are next uh, at plus twenty two hundred and ninth best odds to win the Super Bowl. And finally is the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are the twelfth best odds at twenty eight hundred. And I was actually shocked because. Uh, I actually thought Jacksonville would be ahead of Detroit on the betting laws just because of um, them making the playoffs last year, them winning uh, the wild card match, them giving Kansas City a bit of a scare, and obviously Trevor Lawrence being a premier quarterback. I thought maybe they'd be a bit higher. So I think that's actually one of the more sneaky picks I'm excited to put a little bit of money on uh, to try and make a little bit of uh, make a couple bucks. Uh, but I'm to make this a little spicier, like, I mean, you can make it as spicy as you want, but I'm saying that a cat is going to win the Super Bowl. One of those four teams, really one of those three teams, I think is going to win the Super Bowl. They're some of my favorite teams to, 
to uh, take a step forward and win the big games. But a dark horse bet, if you wanted to, you could bet on Jacksonville and Detroit winning their winning the conference and going to the Super Bowl. So it'd be a Jacksonville Jaguar versus Detroit Lions Super Bowl. So it could be a battle of the Cats, which really it could happen. They're the ninth and 12th odds. Uh, stranger things have happened. If you were to bet that right now, it'd be a cool 14,900 betting odds plus 14,900. So put that in context. If you bet five bucks, if you bet, oh, I've just deleted it too. If you bet five bucks, you'd be leaving with like, oh, what was it? Five bucks for, I think it was 2,700 bucks or something. It was some odd number like that. I wish I wouldn't have just deleted it, but that's a fun bet to make. Obviously, if you swapped out one of those teams of Cincinnati, you'd become probably a little more legitimately if you swapped out jacksonville for for cincinnati they might be a more realistic but obviously those those percentages and those odds would go would go down a little bit not as high of payout but a real spicy one if jacksonville detroit they're in the super bowl final i think that's gonna be a lot of fun because really those are two teams that right now are teams that i think people are a lot of people are cheering for because they've been so bad for so long like i think back to the super bowl when it was the rams versus the Bengals. so many people were cheering for the Bengals because joe burrow it's a lot of fun to cheer for him but cincinnati is a, like an underdog you know they were an underdog team at that point so a lot of people are cheering for cincinnati if both those teams make it they're both underdog stories we're not talking about you know like um we're not talking about the Patriots here in the Super Bowl for seven of the last 10 years. And, and everybody wants the Pats to lose. They're just cheering for whoever the Pats are playing. This would be one of those ones where it's like, huh, I'm just happy with whoever wins. And, and to be honest, I might be going to the Super Bowl. If, if that was who was in the Super Bowl finals, Jacksonville versus Troy, I, I might just be going and then go to Disneyland after. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how excited uh, you, I get and how carried away I get. But with the way you win making that bet, you'd be able to afford it. Well, maybe, maybe just the flight there <laughs> or, or my one ticket. I don't know, but uh, it'd be a lot of fun. Um, but I do think out of those odds, like Cincinnati at, at fifth, I think that would be the team that would legitimately give you a chance to, to win the Super Bowl. but not necessarily a fantasy hot take, but uh, this is a hot take for, for NFL, especially with the season kicking off here in two weeks. So I think that one, um, that one might be one of those ones where it's like, I can see the path. Some of my hot takes before, especially my, my, uh, Baker Mayfield won last year. That was just a bad, that was just a bad take. And that was even a, that was even a hot take. It was just a bad take. This one, there's a path. There's a path. I can see it happening. I, I do really like that take Jordan, uh, but I'm going to change it a bit. And I'm, I'm picking a bird to win the Super Bowl. I'm trying at Atlanta Seahawks, Seattle, Seattle Baltimore, Baltimore, Philadelphia, and Arizona. Oh yeah. So there's more birds than cats, but yeah, just the odds are better. Yeah, they're forever in your favor, Armand. Volunteers <laughs> tribute. Anything else to add here, fellas, before we uh, wrap this episode up? I know fantasy season's right around the corner here. We're doing our draft right away here, too. Um, frick, I'm just, I was looking at that. My team's going to be so bad, like so bad. Forgot to just absolutely hemorrhage my future. and <laughs> No picks and no keepers, so it's going to be going to be a tough year but uh if you're interested in um our charity league get your name out there spots will fill quick i know we we don't just put the first come first curve first serve we put your name into a little draw we fill the spots accordingly so it's fair for everybody the only thing that we do guarantee a spot for is the defending champ who's mason hawk so there's one person spot that is locked and loaded it's mason hawk so everybody else gets a fair chance to try and get in 
Uh, it's a fun way to raise some money for charity. It's a fun way to stay involved in the fantasy community. Um, that was actually one of my favorite group chats last year. Uh, our charity, our charity fantasy league group chat was just going off like crazy. And I, I really enjoyed that, but um, that'll do it. That'll wrap it up here for our episode number 92. Uh, we are just two very short weeks away from the fantasy season. Um, and I'm excited for my Detroit lions to once again, probably let me down week one against the Kansas city chiefs, but um, that'll do it for on me on behalf of Armin, Zach and myself and the three Oh six fantasy football podcast. Thank you very much for listening everybody. Um, the wait's almost here. The wait's almost over. Take care and we'll talk soon.